Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. So welcome back to our series as we journey through Acts. Uh, two weeks ago, we wrapped up our series, Seize the 167, Following Jesus Every Hour of the Week. And uh, we finished up the first quarter of the book of Acts. So tonight we're beginning in Acts chapter 8. And the new series is going to be called Unstoppable, The Church Unleashed. But tonight's going to be a little bit different because God just put something on my heart as I was, as I was preparing. And it's a bit of a transitional um, message between the two series. And you'll see what I mean as we dig into it. But two weeks ago, we ended at the end of Acts chapter 7, where Stephen's brought before the high council to defend um, what he's been saying. He's being accused of speaking against Abraham and against the temple. And he goes into this big speech, and he doesn't um, defend himself as we would kind of think someone would when their life's on the line. Rather, he reframes Israel's story. He, he shows them how Jesus has been part of this story, creating this new community since the very beginning. But how sometimes we have a hard time understanding that appreciating it, or even believing it, and how it's easier to sometimes reject the message of Jesus than it is to actually follow it. So at the end of this speech, he's then killed. He's killed by the religious elite and by the followers of religion. And tonight we pick up where things are about to change. This, this trajectory in the story is now suddenly um, spreading the message of Jesus out from just Jerusalem and moving it towards Judea and Samaria, which Jesus had told them to do at the very beginning of Acts. So, as we dig into tonight's message, I think it just resonates with kind of where we've even been forced to go in terms of our current COVID-19 pandemic. We've been forced into a stillness, but it's not a stillness of rest, but it's a stillness of anxious sorrow. I don't think anyone currently is going through this thinking, oh man, this is so restful. We're all kind of on edge trying to, to make sense of it all and try to figure out what's next. And that's kind of what's happening in the text that we're going to see tonight is that in the midst of this chaos and this, this forced spread of, uh, of people, of believers and followers of Jesus, there's this stillness to pause, but it's not of rest. It's of anxious sorrow. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to be reading the first four, four verses. Um, if you don't have a Bible or you'd like one, go to the Bible, uh, dot com slash app and that will take your phone directly to a, a web page where it will download the specific app for yours the translation i'm reading through is the nlt translation which is just a little bit more readable than some other translations but uh, follow along in whatever you have acts chapter 8 starting in verse 1 Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Now, quick spoiler alert here. Just in case you're not aware, 
Saul, this man named Saul, who's referred to here, later becomes Paul after being transformed through his encounter with Jesus. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote most of our New Testament. A lot of the letters that we look to and we're even going to reference tonight have been written by Paul. But right now, he is Saul and he is in full agreement with the murder of Stephen. He is out to get followers of Jesus. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Verse 2, in some of your translations, it might even be put in brackets. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. Verse 3, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. I find this passage so interesting because you have the death of Stephen, then you have the persecution with Saul driving this and the church is being unleashed. It's being spread. But you have this verse that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's why it, some translations have put it in brackets because it just doesn't fit. And it's verse two where it says, some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. So why this verse? Why insert it here at all? That was the question that I just kept wrestling with and that, that God used to just stir in my heart. That Why is this verse here? And the more I sat with it, the more I believe that Luke, the author of Acts, is giving us an opportunity to say goodbye to Stephen. We're, we're being invited to say goodbye, to, to grieve, and to join in their lament and their, their mourning. And if you're anything like me, you're, you're tempted to rush ahead with what's next. I wanted to move from Seize the 167 to Unstoppable, the Church Unleashed. Like, let's get on with the hope and the possibility and the opportunity. But there's this verse here for a reason. I believe we're being shown that we need to grieve first and then scatter. And then go about participating in this new work that Jesus invites us into. But what does lament look like? Well, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she's a psychologist from the 20th century who outlined the five stages of grief. I talked about this a bit in my Worship Wednesday this past week. It's on Facebook if you want to go back and watch. But the five stages are one, denial, two, anger, three, bargaining, four, depression, and then five, acceptance. And what, there's some good things and some not so great things about this. And even Kubler-Ross admits this herself. The one thing that's misleading is that our emotions are not linear. And this seems like it's this, okay, we go through one, two, three, four, five. We go through um, our denial, then we go through anger, and then we go through bargaining. But our emotions aren't linear. And she regretted even kind of stating them this way. Because what this actually does show us, though, what it's helpful in showing us is that grief is complex. Is that one day it might come out in anger, the next day it might be depression. Then you might be in denial. 
But ultimately, these emotions lead us to this place of acceptance where we can then say, okay, this is reality. I'm okay. What's next? But even when we get there, it doesn't mean it's done and over with. Sometimes our emotions will just come back like a tidal wave. Uh, We'll be feeling good one day, and then the next day we can just be hit with it yet again. And I've been feeling that, even as we've been cooped up for the last eight or nine weeks. Just kind of, some days it's like, okay, I'm in control, I'm okay, Uh, God's got me. But then the next day, it's tough to get out of bed and even make sense of, why am I putting on clothes and not just my sweatpants? And in fact, for me, grief and my sadness actually comes out in anger and irritability. Now, I know some people have told me they can't see me angry, but I will peel back the layers and admit that I can get angry. I have a temper. Um, I'll share a story with you from 2013. I had just resigned from my youth ministry position. And... We had had our last Christmas party. I finished on December 15th, 2013. And we had a Christmas party with with the staff and the board. And on our way home, there's this one bridge we had to go over. And Amanda and I are driving and it merged into one lane. And people notoriously would whip up the inside just to cut you off to get ahead. And this night, I wasn't having it. And I saw this car coming up and I did everything I could to prevent them from coming in. They almost took off my front end and I lost it. I just started screaming, I started yelling, I went into road rage to the point that at the next set of lights, Amanda got out of the car. She was about six months pregnant with Landon at the time and she couldn't believe what had come over me. Luckily, I had just started my counseling process. I had gone through this for a few months and I sat there and I'm like, what's happening to me? And I realized that my grief of leaving behind this church that loved me so well, that gave me such a great start to ministry and these people who I had invested my life into and poured my heart into, I was losing that. And I was grieving and I had never in my entire life connected my anger with grief. But you see, if we don't process our grief, then it eventually comes out elsewhere. And that's why for this reason, I think it's so important that we learn how to lament because it helps us articulate our grief and what it is we're going through. You see, lament is the expression of the depths of suffering. It helps move us from this inarticulate groaning to saying what is actually happening in our situation. And by doing so, it releases us from the grips of affliction. By naming it, by calling it out, we release the power that it has over us. So what have you lost? It, it might not even be directly COVID related, but you've lost things. For others of us, it will be directly COVID related and you've lost things. Maybe you've lost a job, rhythms, routines, homes, loved ones, or just the loss of seeing and being with friends and family members. 
the, the loss of being able to get together with our mums this weekend and actually celebrate. What is it that you've lost? But we must also remember that lament is not something we simply do on our own. Even in tonight's text, we see that these men came to bury Stephen and they mourned together. We need each other. Jürgen Moltmann, a theologian, has said, loneliness is the suffering and suffering. And unfortunately, during this current pandemic, we've been forced into isolation and perhaps loneliness. But don't let that loneliness overtake you. Name it, call it out, articulate it, release the power that it has over you. Reach out to a trusted friend, pastor, counselor, whoever it might be. Let them know how you're doing and speak it exactly how you feel it. I can't stress this enough. Sometimes we feel like lament is an act of faithlessness. But I believe it's the opposite. I believe that lament is linked to faith in God. As you cry out to God, as you seek his help, he already knows what you're going through. So don't try and over-spiritualize it and polish it off. Just say it as it is. Because you see, God is with you. God knows what you're going through. So name it. Say, this sucks. This is hell. Psalm 139.8 says, literally says, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Sheol is hell. He's saying, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. You see, the biblical tradition of lament shows us that life is messy, that grief can't be spiritualized or explained away and everything just made pretty. No matter what it is you're going through, God is there with you. I actually spoke about this in August 2018 in our One Another series. It's called Teach One Another to Lament. And I'll drop a link to it in the description if you're interested in exploring this idea further. But ultimately, we have to realize that though we may want to, lament can't be skipped over or sub substituted. We can't just move on like it didn't happen. Because you see, as you lament, you'll discover that it helps ground us. It helps ground us in the reality of our current situation, in the reality that God is still with us, in the reality that God hears our cry, in the reality that God laments with us, and in the reality that in the person and presence of Jesus, we are okay. And that it's okay to not be okay. See, as we lament, it helps us to become mindful of the moment and to love the particular. As we lament, it prevents us from kind of getting ahead of ourselves to our hopes and our dreams and the what ifs. And instead, it forces us to look at the what is and the particular. We need to learn to love the particular. And I'm taking this idea of loving the particular from a recent email I received from author Sarah Bessie. And I was drawn to the way she articulated her grief of her late friend, Rachel Held Evans, who died last year at the age of 37. Because you see, it's hard to love the world in general. It's easy to say it. Oh yeah, I love the world. I love everyone. But it's too general. How do you actually love everything and everyone? 
As we lament, I believe it helps ground ourselves in the current reality. It helps ground us in the particular, and therefore it opens us up to learning to love the particular. It opens us up to loving this moment, whatever this might mean to you or look like for you in the moment. But you see, for me, loving this moment looks like the smell of freshly brewed coffee in the morning. Loving the laughter of my kids as they watch yet another show on the iPad. Loving this moment looks like loving the friendliness of my neighbors as we all yearn for connection. Loving the softness of the worn pages of the Bible, which look a little bit more worn as I left my Bible in a tent next to the wall as it rained. Loving the opportunity to chat for a few minutes with my wife Amanda here and there throughout the day. Loving this moment looks like loving the, the worship songs that I hear in the distance that are often playing on Amanda's phone. Loving the well-organized rooms that I've finally gotten around to after putting them off for four years. Loving this moment looks like loving the familiar jokes and laughter from a Friends episode as I've watched for the umpteenth time. It's loving the sound of the words, I love you. I forgive you. I'm sorry. I miss you. I want you. As Sarah Bessie wrote, love this moment of particular grace, not in spite of all the grief and loss surrounding us, but because of it. And because Frederick Beekner was right when he penned these words, this is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Beautiful things are happening. Terrible things are happening. But we don't need to be afraid. Why? Because we worship a God, Jesus, who laments with us, who journeys with us, who speaks the words, I love you, I forgive you, I miss you, I want you, over us time and time again. As we lean into our relationship with Jesus and we recognize just how loved we are, we become more loving. We become more loving to ourselves, to others, to the world, and to Jesus. Many of you are probably familiar with the, the fruit of the Spirit, which Paul, again, who is Saul in this text, later writes as Paul after being transformed by the love of Christ. He writes this to the church in Galatians, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But this last week, as I was participating in a mindfulness workshop as part of my ordination, the instructor shared with us another way of interpreting this verse. And she said that some people believe that the descriptors are actually what love looks like. So rather than the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, it could actually be interpreted as the fruit of the Spirit is love, and love looks like joy, peace, patience. Isn't that beautiful? Because at the heart of the gospel is love. The well-known chapter on love is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
And it starts off saying, if I could speak the languages of earth and angels, if I had the gift of prophecy and understood all of God's plan, if I had faith to move mountains, if I gave everything to the poor, but I didn't love others, then I would have gained nothing. Or as the message puts it, no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. We need to learn how to love the particular. And as we learn how to love the particular and lean into that love, we then will continually be opened to the transforming power of God's love. You see, lament helps ground us in reality so that we can grow to love the particular. And I believe as we grow in love, and not just the general sense, but in the particular, when we learn how to love where we are, what we have, and who we have around us, then I believe we become dealers of hope. We have hope to offer. Because you see, as Jesus laments with us, as the Spirit laments within us, and where the presence and healing love of Jesus dwells, out of this, emerges new possibilities, new acts of kindness, new understandings, and new hope. See how that works? As we lament, we're grounded in current realities, and then we learn to love the particular, which, at the, which is at the heart of the gospel message, and then that love transforms us and those around us and continues to spread from place to place, from person to person. And as we see love spread, that stirs within us this new hope. Because what emerges are new possibilities and new opportunities. And that's the hope that we have. And that's the hope that I, that I want to race off to. But it begins with lament. It begins with stopping to say goodbye to Stephen, to grieve. We become dealers of hope but we start with grieving and lamenting. As I shared this past Worship Wednesday, as followers of Jesus, we are given permission to grieve. We are allowed to grieve. This is not something we have to hide or feel like we're, we're, we're not spiritual enough if we don't. We are allowed to. Jesus invites us to grieve. He grieves with us, but we don't grieve without hope. As followers of Jesus, we get to grieve with hope. Because you see, hope is one of the three theological virtues along with faith and love. And they're called theological because they have to do with God. Faith, hope, and love don't make sense without God. And they're virtues because they're not just feelings that come over you and then go away. They're virtues that we nurture and feed and grow and exercise as part of following and becoming disciples of Jesus. And over time, as we follow Jesus, we become the kind of people who are like Jesus. And we live with a deep confidence in coming good based on the person and promises of God. This is our hope. It's not just wishful thinking or positivity. It's grounded on the person and promises of God himself, which are proved and demonstrated in the person of Jesus. As we continue to journey together 
and albeit apart throughout this pandemic, remember to lament. Grieve those things which you've lost in order to ground yourself in the present moment and discover that Jesus is with you. Lean into him so that you will grow in love and may you become a dealer of hope, even during this. So take this opportunity now to say goodbye to Stephen, to, to say goodbye to what else or who else you may have lost, and to begin discovering the love of Jesus in this particular and present moment. Do you know that you're loved? Do you have hope in the coming good based on the person and presence and promises of God? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? I know most of you watching would say, yes, absolutely. But there might be one or two of you who are like, I'm not sure. Like, I think I have, but if not, I urge you to take the moment to do this now. Just simply by praying to him, by, by saying, God, like, yeah, I've been living my own way. I, I've sinned. I, I've taken part in kind of this disruption of the peace and harmony that you desire for the world. But you know what? I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe in his life, his death and resurrection. And I'm going to commit to following Jesus as the true king of the world. That's all it takes. And as you pray that, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit who will help empower you to follow Jesus, to grieve, to love, and to become a dealer of hope. And as you place your faith in Jesus, you become part of the church, the body of Christ, the worldwide global church. And as we're going to see next week, the church is on the move. Brothers and sisters, the church has been unleashed and it is unstoppable. But first, we grieve. If you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, tonight, oh, it's such a message that I'm passionate about, but that scares me. I don't like leaning into these feelings. But God, as I do lean into them, as I go deeper, and even as I explore some of these dark crevices in my mind and heart, I discover that you are there, that you have already been there. You are present and you are inviting me to meet with you there and to articulate them, to grieve them and to give them over to you. And God, as we release these things to you and surrender them to you, you open us up to love. And that love transforms us from the inside out and transforms those around us. And God, I pray that as we are transformed, we become dealers of hope, that we become messengers of your good news. And that God, you will continue to spread your kingdom throughout Binbrook, throughout Canada, and throughout the world. So God, start with us. Help us grieve in the safety and the assurance of knowing that you are there with us. Remind us of just how much we are loved. And God, invite us to live into and out of the hope 
that we share in Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for spending time with us this evening. Um, as always, know that I'm praying for you. If there's any way that I can serve you or pray for you better, please reach out to me through email, through text or phone call. I would love to connect with you. Even if you want to journey with someone through this grieving process, I would be more than happy to walk with you. Um, also, make sure to check out the description or the website, thewellbinbrook.com slash marriage for more information on our upcoming marriage course starting Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. on May 28th. I'm excited to have this opportunity for a date night with Amanda and to also walk with uh, several couples in our community and our church into really investing in our marriages and strengthening them um, for God's glory. So 80% of the people that come to a church event or that even come to church, it's been through a personal invite. So if there's someone that's on your heart, make sure to share this with them. Uh, make sure to let them know about the upcoming course and invite them to be part of it. We would love to connect with them. It's not just for our church. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel and hit that bell. Uh, that just keeps you informed and up to date as to what's going on. And if you're watching on Facebook, please like and share this video as that also helps just spread the good news of Jesus and lets people know what's happening within our community and those we're connected with. Thank you so much for your support, for your encouragement, and for journeying with me as we navigate this, uh, this current pandemic. But may the grace and peace of Jesus Christ be with you. Amen.